all right, can I really spend 20 minutes talking about a football schedule release? I mean, the ACC's drug it out over three days, so maybe. But no, we're not going to spend the entire 20 minutes talking about the football schedule release, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're going to talk about something else that came out yesterday. The first wave of transfers that we got to talk to, the media got to talk to, down in the south side yesterday. Some interesting stuff came out of that. So we're going to talk football schedule, we're going to talk transfers, and anything else that might pop into my mind as we sit here for the next 20 minutes. It's the Thursday edition of the Morning Pit right here on YouTube.com slash Yeah, welcome to Thursday, welcome to the Morning Pit, welcome to YouTube.com slash welcome to Pantherlair.com, welcome to Chris Peak. The website is pantherlayer.com. I, I didn't know if there was anything more I could welcome you to. But the website's pantherlayer.com. It's the most comprehensive source of pit sports news on the internet. You see the dash right there in the middle. Make sure you use that, panther-lair.com, pittsburgh.rivals.com, to get all of you the latest pit sports news. Football, basketball, and recruiting, we have it all at pantherlayer.com. And message boards to interact with hundreds and thousands of other pit fans all day, every day, panther-lair.com, pittsburgh.rivals.com. And, of course, our YouTube channel right here. You've already found it, and we appreciate that, unless you're listening to the audio podcast, in which case I'd appreciate it more if you went and watched the video. Just play the video through your phone like it's a podcast. You can play it through your car or whatever, your Bluetooth. But anyway, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pantalaircom, is where we put all of our pit video content, these daily morning pit videos, our weekly live stream like we did last night at 8 o'clock. Me and Jim Hammett get together for a little pit sports talk with you. And then our post-game shows. We did one after the uh, Georgia Tech game on Tuesday night. We'll have one after the Miami game this Saturday. We'll have, uh, you know, it, it, it's fun. It, it's a back and forth, and and that's what I enjoy about it. It's what I like about the live streams on Wednesday night, and it's what I like about the, um, the post-game shows, is that we can go back and forth. We have a little conversation. We interact and talk about. Whatever's going on. You know what I mean? In the case of a post-game show, we talk about the game. And and I tell you what I think. And then you guys get in the chat section there, put your comments and your questions. And we have some back and forth. And I enjoy that. Um, it, it's more fun than sitting there talking to myself the whole time. So make sure you tune in for that. If you're like, man, there's no way I'm going to remember that on Saturday. We'll have a solution for you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and turn on notifications. If you do that, you'll get an alert sent to your phone. That way you'll never miss anything. It'll tell you, hey, Pantheler is about to go live. You better tune in now with all your comments and questions. I don't know if it says all of that, but it'll at least tell you that we're going live and so you won't miss it. YouTube.com slash Pantheler.com. Also like this video. We appreciate that very, very much. All right, schedule release day finally happened yesterday. Monday they announced the first game of the season, everybody's week one game, which I'm pretty sure most teams already had announced. Uh, other than Florida State and Boston College, who faced each other. I don't think that game was announced for week one yet. Uh, yet uh, Tuesday, they announced all the weeknight games, the Thursday night games and the Friday night games. Pitt got a, a Thursday night game against Syracuse on October 24th. Uh, a home game, marking like the fourth year in a row that Pitt has hosted a Thursday night game. I thought for sure that this year they would switch that up. I thought for sure that they would finally, you know, after three years in a row, 2021, 22, and 23, they had Thursday night home games. Um, I thought for sure that they would switch it up uh, and, and send Pitt on the road for a Thursday night game in 2024, but they didn't do it. Uh, you know, last year was Boston College, right? 2022 I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who they hosted in 2022 on a thursday night 
Uh, fortunately, I've got the website right in front of me, so I can uh, I, I should know this off the top of my head. But who did they host in 2022? Um, oh, West Virginia. <laughs> That's why I was trying to think of the usual suspects like North Carolina or Virginia or somebody like that, but it was West Virginia. That's, that's who they hosted, of course, in 2022. And, and, and the upside of that is that they hosted them in week one. So they got the Thursday night game out of the way, right off the bat and didn't have to, uh, didn't have to worry about it you know what I mean like didn't have to worry about how the schedule would work out mid-season how they would if they would get an off week the week before not you know whatever it is they didn't have to they, they got it done and out of the way they fulfilled their Thursday night game obligation right off the bat and then of course in 2021 they had the game against North Carolina North Carolina is a common Thursday night opponent I think thir uh, 2019 I think was a Thursday night game as well um but if you go back over those last three years, 2021, 22, 23, they didn't host a Thursday night game in 2020. The, the original schedule, if you recall, that was released in January of 2020, had Pitt hosting Virginia Tech on a Friday night, which would have been the first time that Pitt hosted a Friday night game. I, I think they had always avoided that, even going back to the Big East days. You know, after weekday games, weeknight games became a regular thing. Pitt had always avoided the Friday night game, and then they were finally going to do it, but that was 2020 when everything got turned upside down, and in August they recreated the schedule and took that away. They ended up playing a Thursday night game eventually, uh, the finale at Georgia Tech, but that was on the road. Um, I would have to look back. I don't remember the last time Pitt played a road Thursday night game. Uh they played, they played at Virginia on a Friday night in 2018. That, that, that was really the game that sort of, I mean, that was the big boost that, you know, to give them an opportunity to win the coastal. So they went on the road that year for a weeknight game for a Friday night game. Um, they played at Miami on a Friday night in 2000 or no, they hosted Miami on Friday in 2017, the season finale. Uh, as you, you might remember that game, that, that one was a, a notable one. Um, but they think they had a Thursday. Yep. They had Carolina at home. Anyway, my point is it's been a long time since they've been on the road for a Thursday night game. And I thought this would finally be the year, but nope, they got Syracuse coming here to Akershore stadium. Uh, and so that was announced on Tuesday. Finally, yesterday we got the ball, the, the remaining games on the schedule, which I think amounted to about seven games because we knew Pitt's September schedule. We knew they had Kent State as the opener uh, on the road at Cincinnati in week two, West Virginia at home in week three, and Youngstown State on September 21st. And then we found out about the Syracuse game on October 24th. Still five games, or, uh, there's going to be seven conference games left to announce, and that's what came out yesterday. And along with announcing the games, they also announced the off weeks. And it's sort of interesting how it worked out. Uh, everybody gets two off weeks here. Um, I think SMU actually has three. They only have 11 games scheduled right now. And the schedule that the ACC released yesterday, SMU only has 11 games. They've got, I think they have an off week like the 14th or the 21st of September. They're, I would assume they'll try to fill that because they have a, two additional off weeks beyond that. Uh, but where Pitt's off weeks fell, I, I think they got sort of fortunate. They play, as I say, Syracuse on the 24th. They are off the week before that. Uh, there's nothing worse. I, I think most coaches would tell you they hate this. 
you know, nothing worse than playing on a Saturday and having to turn around and get ready for a game the following Thursday. They really, really, really like having a week off before the Thursday night game, and Pitt and Syracuse both have a week off before that Thursday night game, so that's huge. But oddly enough, three weeks before that off week is another off week. So Pitt opens the season. They play those first four games in September, the, the non-conference schedule. They get the non-conference schedule done, and then they're off on September 28th before they dive into eight ACC games. So they're off on September 28th, and then they go to Carolina the following Saturday, October 5th, and they host Cal on October 12th, and then they're off again before they play Syracuse on that Thursday night, the 24th. So between that YSU game, the Youngstown State game on September 21st, and the Syracuse game on October 24th, it's 32 days, and Pitt only plays two games in that 32-game stretch. That's a 32-day stretch. That's a bit odd. That's a lot of downtime. You know, and it's going to feel like, you know, games aren't even happening. And then they'll hit the, the stretch run. Um, obviously, you know, they play Syracuse on the 24th. They won't have a game that Saturday, the 26th. But then it's November 2nd, 1916, 23, and 30. Five Saturdays in a row, and really six weeks in a row, to close out the season. Uh, they do close the season on the road at Louisville and at Boston College. So senior night will be uh, November 16th when Pitt hosts Clemson. And here's a fun fact. Since joining the ACC, Pitt has the same record against Clemson that they have against Boston College. Pitt is 2-2 two and two against both of those teams. And they've won uh, the most recent game against each of those two teams after losing two in a row. So the first time Pitt played Boston College in the ACC, they won. The first, that was 2014. The first time they played Clemson in the ACC, they won. That was 2016, of course. They lost the next two to Boston College, 2019 and 20, before winning this past season. They lost the next two to, uh, you know, after winning in 2016 at Clemson, they lost the next two, the ACC championship game in 2018, and then that destruction in the COVID year 2020 before winning in 2021. It's very odd to me that Pitt has the same conference record against Boston College and Clemson. I don't think you would expect that, but uh, a lot of it sort of, uh, you know, has benefited from when those games have played and when they've, when they've occurred. Pitt's got Syracuse, as we mentioned, that'll be uh, another game in a row. I've lost count of how many it is. I know it goes back to 1955. If I had a DeLorean that could, you know, was fitted with a flux capacitor, I would drive up to 88 miles per hour to send myself back to 1955 and cancel the Pitt-Syracuse series. But it's the longest running series that we've got if you're following Pitt. So it is what it is. I'm a little disappointed. I mean, like, this is something we already knew. The schedule release didn't, I mean, we already knew who the opponents were going to be. It's a little disappointing to not have Virginia Tech. Pitt had played 11 years in a row against Virginia Tech dating back to 2012, which was the first time they faced each other since, I think, 2003 after Virginia Tech left the Big East. 2012, it was scheduled as a non-conference game. Virginia Tech as an ACC team. Pitt as a Big East team. A year later, Pitt would join the ACC and face the Hokies for the next 10 seasons um, as conference opponents. Give me Pitt-Virginia Tech over Pitt-Syracuse any day. I will take that series. I much more enjoy those games. I appreciate that series. I enjoy seeing Virginia Tech. I enjoy the games that have come out of Pitt-Virginia Tech. Even though Pitt-Syracuse games have been competitive, they're just not enjoyable. And it's not really from a win or loss perspective. I mean, since joining the ACC, I think Pitt has lost to Virginia, or lost to Syracuse three times. I think they lost in 2000, 
like 13. I think it was 2012 or 2000. I think it might have been 2012. Um, they, they, Paul Chris lost to Syracuse once. Pat Narduzzi lost to Syracuse in 2017 and then lost, of course, this past year. But it's not even really about the aesthetic quality of the game. It's just not – there's no upside in watching Syracuse football. And I, I don't mean to be rude to the orange, but I mean – like what joy do you get from watching Syracuse? I like watching Virginia Tech. I, I do. You know whether they're good or they're bad. I like watching those games, and I think they've generally produced pretty competitive games um, against Pitt since Narduzzi arrived, and even even going back to Paul Christ. I mean, Paul Christ, you know, beat Virginia Tech in 2012. Um, did it again in 2000. I want to say 14. Yeah, 2014. That was yeah, that was that was the year where they had an off week before and they revamped their offense and ran kind of a wildcat with Chad Voitick a few times. Um, so Paul Chris was able to to beat them. Pat Narduzzi has has been competitive with Virginia Tech. I'm disappointed to see that series go. Uh, obviously reuniting with some teams they haven't seen in a long time. SMU first regular season game against SMU since 1983. That game will be on the road on November 2nd. And then Cal, first time Pitt is facing Cal since 1966. That game will be at home on October 12th. Um, I don't know if there was anything else really notable to to stand out here. Uh, senior night versus Clemson, like I mentioned, seven out of these teams had a winning record in 2023. Four of them, but only four of them won nine games or more. So. You know, teams change a lot from year to year, but you know, you have Kent State who went one and eleven, Cincinnati went three and nine, Virginia went three and nine. Um, that's that's really the low end there. You know, Syracuse and Cal were six and seven each, but it, it you can't really project strength of schedule based on how a team did last year because teams change so much. As you roll down this schedule, where's the tough stretch? Where's the interesting stretch? I mean, I, I think Clemson and Louisville. Uh, I mean, they come out of the bye with six games left to play. They have Syracuse at home on a Thursday night. They go to SMU. We'll see. SMU won 11-3 last year. You know, we'll see if SMU is what, what kind of challenge they present. And then they get Virginia at home. But then those final three games, you know, you have Clemson at home and then at Louisville and at Boston College. And, you know, that is probably, I mean, as we sit here on January 25th, that looks like the toughest two-game stretch is the Clemson-Louisville back-to-back. And I know – uh, Clemson, you know, they, they've been down or they're slipping. I mean, we'll see. I, I'm not going to take that game for granted. Um, that looks like the toughest two-game stretch, but obviously when you're a team coming off a 3-9 and nine record, you can't really say that any stretch doesn't look tough. Cincinnati, West Virginia looks tough. Car uh, Carolina Cal looks tough. Hell, Syracuse, SMU, right? But that's the schedule. Um We'll see. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about these teams and keep an eye on these teams as the season, as we uh, move through the offseason. The other thing I wanted to talk about from yesterday is we got a chance to meet some of the transfers in person. I imagine this will happen over the next few weeks. We talked to four guys yesterday. I imagine the transfers will be rolled out a few each week, probably each every Wednesday. And no, we didn't talk to Cade Bell. So you can stop asking because he's out on the road recruiting. And until the recruiting period ends, which is in like a week or two, we're not going to talk to him until then. He's going to be on the on the road, so we don't have to ask anymore. Um, but we we did get to talk yesterday to Nick James, David Ojebwe, Nate Matlack, and Lyndon Cooper, three defensive linemen and one offensive lineman. And 
the thing that stood out the most talking to those guys, and maybe it was because we talked to the three D linemen first and then Lyndon Cooper, but it was just every one of those guys. Why'd you come to pit? Charlie Partridge. Why'd you come to pit? Charlie Partridge. Every one of them, Nick James, David Ojebwe, Nate Matlack. They came to be coached by Charlie Partridge. It was so much so that I like was making jokes like this whole thing feels like a commercial for Charlie Partridge. It feels like they cut an NIL deal with with the Charlie Partridge Foundation. You know that this message was approved by uh you know people the people for Charlie Partridge. I, I you know the old the old PCP. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but it, it really was. I mean these guys couldn't say enough, and it really struck me. You know I've I've said for the longest time that. Getting guys to the NFL is not the recruiting pitch or not as effective of a recruiting pitch as fans often think it is. Why would you want to go there? Why wouldn't you want to come here? RC puts guys in the NFL. Look at our coaches. Look at all the guys they put in the NFL. How could you watch a draft and not want to go to this school? Guys coming out of high school, kids coming out of high school, all of them believe they're first-round picks. I mean, like, most of them. I think, like, my opinion, based on covering this for almost 20 years, I think very few of them really make that pick based on whether they think the coach can get them to the NFL, can make them into a pro prospect. They all believe they're already pro prospects. And I think they get to college and they find out that maybe they are, maybe they aren't, and maybe they should have paid a little more attention to development and who could help develop them. I think a lot of these guys believe they don't need a lot in the way of development. And it's not about being like, not, not that they're all like arrogant or full of themselves. It's their kids, you know, but once you get to college and you're in college for, you know, Nate Matlack is a fifth year senior, you know, Nick James has been around for a couple of years. Uh, David Ojebwe spent one year in college before he went into the transfer portal. He was at Clemson. Once you get to college, and I think you experience college football and experience the college football environment, I think you get a newfound appreciation for development. Things like atmosphere, you know, uh, like the game day atmosphere, attendance. I don't think attendance ranks nearly as, like, loom. I don't think it ranks nearly as high with transfers as it does with high school kids who go to a game and they're like, wow, this is awesome, 110,000 people. Not thinking about, you know, a lot of other factors that go into it. I think transfers, and, and, and these guys talked about it yesterday, uh, and, and I've talked with transfers about it for the past few years, that they have a different perspective on things and a different approach because they've been in college. And I think they have a different sense of what's important, what they really should be basing their decisions on, and they take a different approach to it. And and I think, you know, for James, Ojebwe, and Matlack, that different approach was who's the guy who's going to help me get to the NFL. You know, Nate Matlack was a guy who was playing in a three, four defense at Kansas state. You guys, I mean, we've all watched the Steelers enough to know. And, and I talked about this when he, when he committed back in, in December, we've all watched the Steelers enough to know what a three, four defensive end does. And it's not rush the passer and get sacks and put up big stats. You know, how many years did everybody beat their chest about Aaron Smith and how undervalued he was and how important he was and all this stuff? Meanwhile, the guys who were getting paid and the guys who were making plays were the outside linebackers. You know, it was it was it was Jason Gilden, it was James Harrison, it was Lamar Woodley, it's now TJ Watt. 
it's those guys because they're the ones rushing the passer and making the plays. And if you're that defensive end in a 3-4, well, hopefully you can block two guys. So the defense, so the, the rush guy, the edge rusher, can get in the backfield and make the plays and get all the glory and, and, and the money. And if you're a 3-4 defensive end coming out of, you know, in college, you're really stuck because your tape is not going to show you doing a whole lot in terms of explosive plays or making an impact. And so Nate Matlack said, where can I go and play in a defense where the defensive ends get after the quarterback? You know, a defense that attacks, that's aggressive, that plays fast with a great defensive line coach. And Pitt checked every one of those boxes. And it did it for David Ojebwe too. And Nick James is a defensive tackle, and he he Nick James, who by own his, his own admission is not the biggest defensive tackle in the country, uh, looked at the success of a guy like Kalaji Kansi and said, Kalaji Kansi's a first round draft pick, playing really well for the Tampa Bay Bucks in his rookie year. I need to follow his path. Who got Kalaji Kansi to that level? That's the guy I need to go work with. And I, you know, I, I mean, I think recruits say those things because they feel like those are the things you're supposed to emphasize when you talk about why you picked a school. I think transfers genuinely mean it. And that's not to say that all recruits don't mean it. It's to say that I think transfers genuinely mean it because I think they have a different, a new appreciation for what's relevant and who can actually help them achieve their goals. And so like there, there were a bunch of things that those guys talked about yesterday and I, you know, we'll write about it. I have the videos up right here at youtube.com slash pantheler.com. You can check it out and it's good. It's all good stuff. They're really impressive guys, but it all came back to Charlie Partridge and what they believe Partridge can do for them as players and in their growth and in their development. And that's huge. You know, I, I think that's huge. We always talk about Charlie Partridge and what he does as a recruiter, but He's got a reputation as a defensive line coach. Uh, he's got a reputation, and he's got uh, you know a track record. And it impressed those guys, and I think that'll continue. I think he'll keep impressing guys. All right, I think that does it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've had a great week so far. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pantheler.com. Don't forget, if you're on the pantheler.com message boards, Post your question for the mailbag so we can answer that tomorrow. We'll answer as many as we can. It's in the thread right there on the Between Fifth and Forbes message board. So go there and uh, answer. You know, post your post your question. We'll answer as many as we can in the mailbag. In the meantime, like I say, like and subscribe. And um, yeah, have a great Thursday. It's almost the end of the week. You almost made it. Uh, enjoy your Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow for the Morning Pit mailbag right here on YouTube.com/slash Panthalaircom.